broken and beaten, our heroes are scattered. Lost and alone, their hopes are all tattered. Their home has been conquered, but their fight is not done. They must mount a strong defense while still on the run. Their task will be hard, but still they must try. So sit back and observe. The Beholder's Eye! One, two, one, two, three, four. It's been six months. It's been six months since you died. Six months since you felt cold steel plunging into your chest and directly through your heart. Looking into the eyes of Barry, you wondered why it was happening and noticed that Barry's eyes, which are normally pretty bright and friendly, were very dark and angry and had strange black lines running through the irises. This was the last thing you saw before darkness overtook you. didn't last long though pretty quickly everything kind of snapped back into focus but from a different perspective floating several feet away and upwards from your body you see as Barry lets go of you and Lazy is trapped Swifty is trapped and Barry freely goes with this black clad figure who just destroyed you and your friends mm. You linger there for a moment and time kind of starts to speed up a bit. You see them pick through the rubble, you see them go into the beholder's eye and there's a very bright flash of light 
from inside the beholder's eye. And the next thing you see, Penny and Gerald and Tomash coming out of the beholder's eye and kind of looking around and seeing your dead body. And you see Penny go over and collect your necklace. You see them kind of looking around and they they don't see Boris. I'm yelling out for them. They don't. They don't hear me. They don't hear you. They don't seem to notice that you're there. Uh, Tomash at one point kind of cocks his head as though he might have heard you, but shakes his head and just kind of keeps following along with Penny. Uh, shortly after that, other members of the Protectorate show up. January and some people that you don't know. And they start to help pick through the rubble of the beholder's eye and you see them find Boris's body. You see that they take your body and all of your belongings and everything and you get transported out of there, assuming that they're gonna bury your body. And then they leave. start to float up further still and now you can kind of see the entire city. Time starts to speed up a bit more and you see over the course of what seems like a couple of weeks the entire city systematically taken over and a new routine of life starting in the city under the watchful eye of the church. The tentacles still there? Yes. I cry. And now you float further and further until you can see the entire planet and you're floating outside of it. And as time speeds up a little bit more, you see the the planet spin and spin and you start to lose track of time and lose track of yourself for a while and just observe what's happening on this planet. And you see the other side of the planet where this invasion came from looks to be a desolate, burned out, used up place. Mm. And you see the other side of the planet where you used to live starting to get taken over from the top down, from the, the Dwarven city down. And then suddenly from the elves, there seems to be a bit of a push and things start to be receding back from the lower half of the continent. The Dwarven Empire seems very much still in the grass of the church. And you start to feel an odd pulling sensation. And you're kind of brought back into yourself. And as you're pulled back down towards the planet, you start to remember flashes from your life. Being a, a child on the streets of Slandrian, pickpocketing and you know doing what you had to to survive. You see yourself growing up. You see yourself as a probably a you know a young adult not too long before you started working at the beholder's eye in a marketplace and a very old looking merchant convinces you to buy this gem that you were eyeing 
on his his mat that he has out, and he tells you that if you're ever to die, that that gem will bring you back. Do they, does he sell it to me at a discounted rate? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but as you're remembering this, you start to flash through the next few years of your life of growing up a bit more and going to work for the Beholder's Eye and meeting your new friends. And suddenly you realize that this whole time you've been falling and falling and being pulled back into this planet and you... I guess for lack of a better word, blackout. And suddenly you open your eyes and you're in one of your safe houses in the city. disco lights <laughs> you see disco lights and as you kind of look around you hear this weird wooden creaking as you kind of move your head from side to side and as you look down you realize that you are somehow in the body of the puppet that you found on the street that you had affixed that gem that that old man mm. sold you to the marionette doll now you are in the body of a small marionette boy Fancily dressed. Can I move? <laughs> I mean, at first you, you move pretty easily just by instinct, but once you realize kind of this body that you're in, it starts to feel weird and, you know, you start to really feel the body and like it's made of wood, so it's oddly like numb, but you can still kind of move and feel yourself moving. Mm -hmm. uh, and it takes you a bit to kind of find your legs and get used to walking around. I'm very confused. As you're kind of getting acclimated and trying to figure out what, the hell is happening you hear noise from i guess the street level because your safe houses are kind of tucked into parts yeah, of the catacombs and you realize that this safe house you know is is not too far away from where the beholder's eye is and that area of the city was where there was you know a lot of tentacles and suddenly remembering this Everything. I hide under the bed. <laughs> Hiding under the bed, you realize that like everything is coming back to you from what happened. Like at first, you quite, didn't quite remember, and now, you know, your your confusion is kind of going away, and you remember putting, you know, affixing this gem to this marionette, and the off chance, you know, who who knows if this guy was actually selling you something good, and if you come back, hey, at least you get to be a puppet, but. As you're hiding under your bed, you hear multiple children crying from the street level. No. And I'm sure, is it real children or is it yes. something trying oh, to children. tempt me out? No, it's real children. <laughs> well, that would make me come out from under my bed. Okay. And go listen at the door at least. Are they saying anything? You can hear them kind of, uh, a couple of them talking to each other, but you can't quite make out what they're saying. You don't hear any adult voices though, just children. You know that above the safe house too, there is kind of a, it's like a gap in between a couple of buildings. There's a low wall there or a low opening in the wall there that lets back into this little space that leads down in there. So you know that 
most likely these kids have kind of gotten up on top of your safe house, basically, and They're might be trying out. to, yeah, take refuge. I'll creep up there and uh, try to say something without freaking them out. Okay. I don't want to make them scream really loud. <laughs> As you kind of, you know, start to slowly open the hatch, uh, you see four children sitting kind of towards a corner and you realize that it's raining mm -hmm. really hard um, and they're kind of huddled in the one corner where the rain's not beating down really hard and uh, they're they're kind of kitty corner from you so you can see all four of them and as you start to open it a bit more the smallest of them it's two girls and two boys the smallest of them a little girl sees you kind of peeking at them and doesn't look scared and she gives you kind of a, a like a curious look and kind of starts to smile and she elbows what appears to be her big brother they look very similar uh the biggest of the kids who's doesn't look more than 10 years old she kind of elbows him and she says brother brother there's a there's a puppet and he kind of looks down at her and he's like shh quiet quiet and kind of turns back and is like him and the other of the biggest the other girl who looks to be about eight or nine um, are kind of whispering back and forth to each other can i speak i can speak yeah what is what is a wooden what am i <laughs> what wearing does marionette chirp sound like i don't know what are you wearing i don't know what was on the marionette i don't know probably just a really simple outfit well, well how would chirp have dressed like the a marionette? tunic probably <laughs> And dressed some, it like herself <laughs> I don't know I probably would have just whatever it was wearing when I found it well what was it wearing <laughs> it's your marionette I it's your said, character I don't know a just tunic like a plain, with a some plain pants tunic? pretty plain maybe a little hat okay. where the like short pointy hats the round pointy hats okay I don't know what those are called like a clown hat almost no I don't know. Like a marionette hat. <laughs> Am I just picturing Pinocchio right now? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think you just described Pinocchio. <laughs> so you're Pinocchio. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. You can be Pinocchio. It's all right. But yeah, you can talk. All right. Um, let's see. I'm going to say to these children, um, excuse me. Both of the older two children immediately snap forward and now the other little boy who seems to be about six or seven is looking at you as well and the little girl don't, says puppet see i told you don't be scared um i'm so confused right now where did you come from we what do you mean where did we come from we live here where did you come from have you well been down I there this whole here. time I haven't been here. I look down at my body and I look <laughs> up at them and I say, I wasn't always a little wooden boy. Okay, well, okay. We, can we, wait, do you have like a, a room down there or something? Well, yeah. Can we come down there? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, as soon as you name? say, as soon as you say, yeah, the big boy, the older boy, grabs his little sister and starts to drag her towards you and says, "Come on, come on." Well, I think it's safe down here. 
and they all four of them push past you uh, as you're <laughs> trying to, you know, like ask some questions. And uh, as soon as they get in, they kind of dry off, and the biggest I say, "Don't, don't touch, don't." Don't touch anything. The little girl's already like looking around the room, but the older brother is standing there looking at you and he's like, shut the, shut the door, shut the door. You're inside of the, like somebody could see you. Don't you know what's going on? Not really. I shut the door and I come inside. Where have you been? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Sam. This is my little sister, Becky. And, and who else? And this is. This is my friend Susan and her little brother, Scott. We've been, I mean, we kind of got lucky to find, I guess, the top of your house. And he's, he's kind of looking around. And he's like, are you sure you live down here? I don't see a bed or anything. Well, Just a bunch of possessions. Well, I, that's my nest over there. <laughs> it's just like a pile of hay and st- straw. Says, wait, you said you weren't always a wooden boy. What were you before? I was a bird person. A kanku. Oh. Oh. I I think I died. He looks really confused at you and he's like, you died? How how did you die? He kind of backs up and like puts his arms in front of the other kids. (laughs) It's hard to explain. Oh, it, that's not important right now. Do you know how we can get out of here? I mean, uh, out of where? Out of the city or out of your house or out of... I, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> well, I mean, you could help us. What are you trying to do? Well... There's, um, there's a lot of kids out there, um, on the streets and we've been trying to, well, we've kind of, we've got a routine and we, we kind of all work together and get each other, help get each other food and find places to stay. And right now though, we're, we're a little bit stuck. The last couple days, there's been a really bad lockdown. We think that the local guards are kind of wise to our game, I guess you could say. And... They want, they want to find us. Um, the church rounds up kids and they, I don't know, they do something to them and they change them and they come back and they try to find us and bring us back to be changed. They got Susan's older sister kind of at the beginning of everything. She was a teenager and now she's one of the guards that's trying to find us. And she, when she looks at Susan and Scott, she doesn't see her little brother and sister. She just sees more followers. Mm. Wait, how I long have I've you been gone? Something like this before. When did you die? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, what? What's the date? I I couldn't tell you that. Um, but I, I know, know it's been about four and a half months since all this started. Yeah, I'm. I died at the beginning, the doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been gone for for a while. Um, things aren't very good out there, especially for kids like us. But everybody we see that's not a kid basically is 
seems to be under the influence of the the church. I need to find my friends. Well, we've we've heard rumors that there's people down in the catacombs that are gonna fight back. Jesse from one of the other groups, uh, he he said he saw an adult that didn't look like he was under the uh, the church's control fighting some of them and running into part of the the catacombs and disappearing. We we need somebody who knows the catacombs. Well, I know most of them. I don't know what parts are safe right now, but I can get us through. Really? Well, yeah. I've lived here my whole life. Okay, well, um we've got we've got to wait at least another few days before before this curfew is lifted and they they stop looking for us so hard before we can we can move around again are you you sure the curfew will be lifted Uh, they usually do in a few days yeah um do you have any food down here oh well i might have some crackers around here somewhere over the next couple of days you kind of get to know these kids better and share some more of your story with them what is their story I mean, they, at the beginning of the Are they all orphans or something? Um, Or did their parents die? Sam and Becky were, but Susan, Scott, and their older sister, their parents were killed in the initial invasion, and they kind of ran into each other on the street. A lot of the other kids in these little groups um, are orphans. I mean, Mm -hmm. pretty much they're all orphans. Some of them know where their parents are, but their parents are under the influence of the the church. Yeah. Um, And it it sounds like there are, the church has various creatures that they bring into the city and to to look for children and people that are hiding. Mm. They've seen adults dragged dragged out into the streets from the buildings. And they tell you that, you know, they've been able to hide as well as they have and find places to hide because they're small. Yeah. And can get into a lot of places and just have been surviving any way they can. Tough kids. After a few days, they kind of lead you out into the city and lead you down through alleyways. And you kind of start to realize that you recognize where you're going. And you know that there is an old like abandoned warehouse on the edge of town and well aren't I guiding them no no they're they're gonna take you to meet all the other kids oh and then we're gonna go in the catacombs got it but they they take you to this warehouse and you see that it was damaged pretty severely in the invasion um, but there is kind of a a space just big enough for I'm for wearing kids a and- cloak by the way. Yeah, well, you're I don't really city. want it to be super, like, look at this wooden doll walking around. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> but you, uh, you guys all sneak in there, and as you get in, you see that the inside, there's a pretty big area that's intact. Uh, and there's already a few kids in here. And the two that are closest kind of stand up, and you see that they've got little spears. Uh, and it's two like 12 year old boys and Sam kind of waves to him and goes up and goes about five feet from the rest of you and kind of talks to him for a minute and 
waves you all over and he says, this is uh, Travis and Trey and they're the guards here. Um, they said that the next gathering is going to be in a couple of days, but we're welcome. We're welcome to stay here and wait, wait for it. Okay. I told them though that you're going to help us get into the catacombs. And they said that they would put the word out for all of the the guards out there, like the our fighters, basically, mm-hmm. to to come back and meet up at the the next gathering. Okay. How old are these guards? None over the age of thirteen. Oh, okay. So I'm like the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> Not by much. <laughs> All right. So what are we gonna do in the meantime? Over the next couple of days, you you kind of get to know some of the other kids that are there, and these kids you can tell are they all look up to Sam, like he seems to be kind of the de facto leader. Mm-hmm. But he also seems pretty humble about it, and really just wants to take care of Becky the best he can. And you get to know these little kids yeah. over the next couple of days. And when the gathering starts, there is a good. 25 kids that all show up in this building and you see that there's at least 10 of these kids that are about 10 to 12 years old they're all boys uh, except for one very skinny kind of slightly smaller than the boys um, girl but she looks mean mm, I'm not afraid and of her tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they, like I said, they all look to Sam, and Sam s- stands up in front of them and says, "I found somebody who can lead us into the catacombs. This could be really dangerous. A lot of us could get hurt. Some of us could die. I don't, I don't want to put anybody in danger that doesn't want to go. But if we're gonna go and find the people that Jesse saw, and hopefully not have to live in fear of the church anymore." We're going to go next week, okay? That'll give us enough time to get some uh, some extra supplies ready, some stuffs for when we go down there. We don't know how long it's going to take to find these people. A few kids just kind of step away from it, and uh, you see at least one group of, like, four kids just break off, and they don't want any part of it. But most of mm-hmm. these kids stay. Um, there's about 18, 19 kids that are left. And over the next week... You and Sam and these, like, enforcers, these guards, sit down and come up with a plan to help protect everybody and kind of systematically go through the parts of the catacombs you know have been safe in the past uh, to get to where you could hopefully try and find these people. At the end of the week, there's still the same 18, 19 kids, and the other kids that had left three of them show back up and they tell you that the other three or four that were with them all got captured by the eye and we need to stay together gave up their plan and like it's time to go yeah it's time to go Agents, 
This is me, Dr. Byron Brimstone, director of the OMEM. That's the Office for Occult Monitoring, Examination, and Negation. I'm here to give you a short intro into the adventures of the OMEN Investigations team. Join us on a comedy role-playing podcast set in the modern world, where three agents travel the globe to deal with demons, cultists, and conspiracy theories. Follow the exploits of Koala Jackson, an amnesiac Australian with a dark history. Yeah. Annabelle St. John, a gun-sticking girl from the Deep South. Is it a gun coal or is it a pony coal? And Dr. Martin, a disgraced former professor from Sweden. I mean, I am from Sweden. If you like listening to people search for monsters, aliens, entities from beyond the void, and other such hoo-ha, then you should check out Omen Investigations on all good podcast apps. Bibstone out. Dolores, remind me why we're podcasting our top-secret operations again. Right. Podcasting is uh, becoming pretty ubiquitous, and there are a lot of services out there that offer podcast hosting, which is probably the most important part of podcasting, because if you don't have your podcast uh, hosted somewhere, nobody's ever going to hear it. (laughs) And we went through a few different podcasting hosts at the beginning of our show, and wow, we had pretty good experiences with all of them. We found that Shortwave is the best fit for our show. Shortwave is a podcast hosting, syndication, analytics, and dynamic content stitching platform built on the belief that professional-level podcasting tools should be available to everyone, not just professionals. And as we are sponsored by Shortwave, uh, you can go ahead and go over to their website, www www.goshortwave.com to start your free 14-day trial of hosting on Shortwave, which includes show and episode-level listener analytics, embeddable episode players, unlimited upload and download bandwidth, and two free hours of dynamic content stitching that helps you build your episodes from multiple clips, all in your browser. Again, you can go to www.goshortwave.com for a free 14-day trial of everything that Shortwave has to offer. Shortwave. The platform for adaptive podcasting. Welcome to Queer Dungeoneers. This is an unbearable experience. If someone was listening to this, they would say, this is pure silliness. (laughs) I'm going to turn into a really big cow. Moo. It is Baramos of the fourth circle. Free me from this orb. Do you have Baramos in your bag? No. You can tell me if you've got Baramos in your bag. No, I've got rations. You've got Baramos in your bag! No, I don't. Nim, what have you done? Queer Dungeoneers, an actual play podcast about being who you are by being someone different. Get it now! I am great and nothing can hurt me. Hey everybody, it's your DM Andrew. I'm here to tell you about a new sponsor that we have, LibrisArcana.com. They are a dice service that does monthly subscription boxes with dice in them. Every month you subscribe to them and you get a new set of dice. Their dice are amazingly designed and some of the prettiest dice we've seen. We were very lucky to secure a sponsorship with them. So what they'll be doing for us is if you go on Libris Arcana and subscribe to their monthly dice service, uh, you can get 20% off your first month's subscription by using the code BEHOLDER at checkout. Once again, get on there, get your first month's subscription, and you'll get 20% off with the code Beholder. Put it in at checkout and you'll be good to go.
as you enter the catacombs with this somewhat large group of children, yeah, you're almost caught by a guard coming down the street as the last couple of kids are getting coming down. But you guys make it in safely, and as you're, you know, your eyes are kind of adjusting to the dark and getting some torches lit. You can see down this main corridor, there's some branching paths and you kind of sit there for a second and yeah, make I a mental note. Yeah, I have to stop and, and think and, about, yeah. it's been a while since I've been down here. But they explained to me what area of the city it's in. So yeah. I have some idea of where I'm going. So you kind of figure out your mental map of where you need to kind of go and you start making your way through the catacombs and you see that there's areas trying to get everybody to be quiet yeah (laughs) but Uh, most of the homeless children are pretty good at that already you see that there's areas that have had those like eyed tentacles come through where all the eyes have been poked out Oh, they've been like stabbed out, and they're so they're there, but they can't see us. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the eyes look all nasty and mm-hmm. crusted over with old blood and pus, and those parts of the tentacles look to be kind of almost dying. And as you get a bit deeper into the catacombs, you you come across an intersection, and as you're kind of looking back and forth trying to figure out which way to go you hear a noise from kind of the back the back of the group and one of the little kids pipes up and says i have to go to the bathroom and sam kind of turns around and he's like just go over in the corner we'll wait for a minute and a couple of the other kids are like oh me too me too (laughs) so you get stuck in the middle of this Intersection, waiting for these kids yeah, to, to go to the like, bathroom. I'm trying to like keep a lookout and, as best as I can. Uh, it's a it's a T intersection, four ways, and as you're you're kind of looking from one to the other, all of a sudden you turn around to look at the kids, and you look back, and standing in each of the four doorways are more children. Oh, about four in each doorway, and. These ones look very dirty and very bedraggled and very hostile. They're all mm. holding makeshift weapons. What do their eyes look like? Uh, their eyes look fine. They just mm-hmm. they look a bit feral. Uh, they look like they may have been living down here in the catacombs all this time. Yeah, I just ask. I ask them how if they're okay. Directly in front of you kind of the way that you realize you wanted to go there is the oldest looking of them who seems to be about nine they mm-hmm. all are maybe four to nine that okay. range and just three of them oh there's four in each doorway so oh. there's 16 of them oh okay Ooh. yeah um almost as many of them as there are you guys yeah. and he kind of steps forward and says you're surface people. You're well, weak. Only recently. We are strong. Well, maybe you can help us. We don't help. Well, we're not a threat to you. We're just trying to get through the city. You look. 
You looking for big people? Well, I'm looking for my friends. We're not your friends. We could be friends. You have food? I have some food, yes. We didn't bring a lot extra, but we'll share. We take you to big people, you give us food. Yeah, what's your name? I'm Nathan. All right, Nathan. How about you come with us? We'll share our food with you, and I can help you get somewhere safe. You if I can just find my friends, I know that we can figure this out. You're not going to trick us and take our food? You do have food, right? Well, yeah. Why? You have your own food? No. <laughs> not if you're going to take it. <laughs> Well, if you run out of food, we will share our extra food with you. We will work together as a team like friends because I like you, (laughs) Nathan. It totally broke me. Okay. Uh, Follow. Follow us. And he kind of whistles and turns around. Hey, wait. You don't know where I'm going. You want to find big people. Well, yeah. We know where big people are. Where, where are you, where do you think they are? They are in center of sit, well, center of catacomb. I mean, kind of the general direction. You didn't really have a full on plan. It was more just kind of search around looking for the adults that they saw. Well, I guess you know the safe routes. (laughs) So... All right. Uh, he, he waves a hand and says, safe, subjective. I, I look at <laughs> Sam and I ask him, are, are, you, are you okay with this, Sam? Sam looks at you and he says, I, I don't know if we have much of a choice. And I, we don't seem to have made them mad. Maybe we just, if we've got to sleep or anything, we, I, we make sure they don't eat us. I don't want to leave anyone behind. These are ch- these are children too, and if yeah. we can get them out of this situation, I mean, I, I get it. I just I'm scared <laughs> that they might eat us. We've got food. <laughs> so the going is slow in the catacombs. With now what thirty five, thirty six kids. And the catacombs being pretty restrictive at times, it, it's slow going. Mm. And sure enough, you guys have to like stop. Places where you have to wade through nasty water. Oh yeah, and there's places there's places where super tiny. Yeah, and, and there's other places, places where, where we like... have to stop and prop each other up into tunnels <laughs> and stuff like that. Make make human ladders and pyramids. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's like uh, caverns where you have to go along a really skinny. I'm not a lot like, of help. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I can lift no one. But as you're making your way through, sure enough, you have to you have to stop for the night, and you guys kind of set up camp in this cistern, and the catacomb kids <laughs> immediately make a ring on the outside. Is that their name? Of the game. <laughs> it is the now. Catacomb it kids. is now. <laughs> But they, they make a ring of on the outside, and then the fighters that you brought kind of make a ring inside of that, and everybody goes to sleep and takes turns standing watch. 
And the night passes pretty eventfully. And the next morning, Sam comes and wakes you up. And he says, well, they didn't eat us. So I guess you were right. Yeah. I didn't sleep very well, though. (laughs) I guess sleeping as a a puppet's probably not comfortable. Mm. Well, I was nervous about the catacomb kids as well. So they lead you into another part of the catacombs, a part that you've never really been into. You know you're kind of going towards the right direction, towards the middle of the, the catacombs. And Nathan comes to you and he says... Okay, we we're getting into a very uh, dangerous spot. Um, you got a very deep voice for such a little kid. I grew up fast. Does <laughs> <laughs> so, he have a beard catacomb. already too? Yes, <laughs> I mean he is a dwarf child, so <laughs> <laughs> he's got a patchy patchy beard going on. It's about what uh, Boris has. <laughs> <laughs> he says, um. We've seen uh, uh, um, goblins in this part of the catacombs, but to get around to where we want to go, it would take us a month. We tend to not go this deep because of these goblins. Can you you fight? I see that you have fighters with you. We can all fight, but... Some of these kids know how to fight. Um, With your numbers and our numbers, we could overpower the goblins and get through. We can try that. I'm not as strong as I once was. So, Can you hold a spear? Oh, yes. If you have one, I would love to hold one. He hands you his and he pulls a makeshift dagger out of his belt and he says, you take mine. All right. So take his spear. <laughs> as you follow him and the rest of his fighters and the fighters kind of all converge on this one hallway, uh, he says, okay, when we get in there, we're going to want to make a lot of noise and yell and scream and take as many of them out as we can, as, as quick yeah. as we can, and hopefully scare them so they don't realize that they outnumber us still. <laughs> All right. And Sam and the other fighters, like the city kids, kind of look back and forth to each other. And like, you can tell that they probably never actually really had to fight anything. More than other kids, probably. Exactly. Uh, Goblins aren't much bigger than kids. (laughs) Dwarf kids? Dwarf kids, yeah. (laughs) But as Nathan says... Okay, well, here we go, and charges into the room, and all the fighters start to funnel in behind him. You're swept along with them. Yeah, I'm going to try to be tough. And roaring into a 50-foot by 50-foot space, just chocked full of goblins, we see a group of 30 kids just screaming and stabbing and in the middle of it you are just trying to do the best you can and as the dust clears you see that nobody was was hurt too bad everybody kind of came out of it well none of the kids were 
killed or harmed. Uh, they did manage to take a couple goblins down, and where you guys were able to to scare the goblins out of there, but mm. you lost. You don't have to roll intimidate. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got 30 screaming kids. <laughs> I think that's enough to scare the shit out of a bunch of goblins. <laughs> and just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Go! Or we don't we don't get paid to deal with this. <laughs> you see, look down and see that a few of the bolts in one of your legs is kind of are kind of missing. <laughs> Uh-oh. And as you start to take another step, one of your legs comes apart. Oh no. Do I, I want to look for that bolt on the ground? Uh, it's nowhere to be seen. I mean, it, it, it seems to be anything. seems to be lost in the shuffle. <laughs> Searching around for it, though, you're able to find a couple of these goblin spears and using your own, you have some of the kids help you and fashion a crutch. Uh, it takes another half a day for you guys to work your way through the rest of the catacombs. And Nathan brings you to a long hallway that most of the catacombs up to this point, there hasn't really been any torches lit. There's been, it's been pretty dark. It's just a light that you bring with you. But this part, this hallway, the torches are lit all the way down it. And you see that this is kind of where the mutilation of those eye tentacles that are mm-hmm. poking through the ground in places has stopped. And Nathan says, the big people blinded like you're walking by an especially nasty one he's like the big people blinded them helped make it safe for us and well the other well goblins and the other people that live down here yeah i think we need to find these people it's down that hallway i i don't know if i want to go with you the big people well the big people on the surface want us to fight for them. And there's no reason to believe that the big people down here won't want the same thing. And he kind of turns to the rest of the kids that you came with and he says, if you want to be free, you stay with me. D- no, you should, you should come with us. Can you promise me that you'll keep them from making us fight? They won't make you fight unless you want to. I know that. We don't want to fight. We don't like fighting. <laughs> Oh, I will protect you. I'm pretty good at that, you know. So he he kind of looks at you warily and he says, I don't like to fight, but we will fight them if they try to make us fight for them. Oh, I don't think that'll be necessary at all. I hope you are right. Well, if it's the people that I'm hoping it is, then... I don't think we'll have any problem at all. As you start to walk down this hallway, at the far end of it, you see that there is a well-constructed barricade. Mm. There doesn't seem to be a way through that you can discern. And as you get closer, with when you're within about 15 to 20 feet, a slot opens up in it, and you see a set of eyes... And the eyes are oddly familiar. You mm. kind of recognize them, possibly. Do you say Am anything? Am I in front? Yes. Yeah. You're leading all these kids. Say hello. I'm Chirp. Um, is Lazy there? Or Penny? Or hello? 
you hear a very familiar voice that makes you realize why the eyes were so familiar. It's Penny. She says, did you, did you say chirp? Well, yeah. Chirp um, is dead. Uh, who, who are you and who I, are those kids? Uh, Penny, it's me. It's really hard to explain. I don't know. I just woke up like this and I found these kids and they need some help. But don't make those ones fight for you. Just, just for We wouldn't warning. make kids fight for us. You should know better than that. If well, you really are, Chirp. Well, I am, but that's just, I just, they told me that. But that's impossible. How are you? You're a puppet. I don't know how this happened. I, the, I got this gem and I didn't really think that it was going to work, but apparently I'm not dead. She says, I don't know if I can believe you. Hold on. I'll be back in a moment. And the slot slides closed. And you're left standing there with these kids. And knowing what you know of Penny, normally she wouldn't turn down a big group of kids, even if there was. It seems that this, whatever's happened the last four and a half, almost five months, it's made her a bit more suspicious and wary. Mm -hmm. After about 10 minutes almost, the whole entire barricade swings inward. And as it does, you see Penny, Gerald, and Tomash. Mm. And they come walking out, and Tomash, his eyes light up as soon as he sees you, and he comes running directly for you. And as he does, Penny tries to grab him, and like, Tomash, no! And he's just chirp and yeah. runs directly up to you and gives you a big hug. Oh, I hug him. I say, Tomash, it's been so long. He says, I can't believe you're back. What? This is amazing. And he turns around and he gives Penny like a really angry look. And he's just like, how could you not tell? How could you not tell? Come on. Is that how he talks? <laughs> <laughs> Tomash seems to have grown up a little bit like he's uh, Tomash was always a very quiet boy before uh, but it seems like he seems to be holding himself more authoritatively and mm -hmm. he doesn't he's only a five six you know five months older than he was before but seems to have grown a lot hmm. in that five months and Gerald Gerald's got this weird like set of mechanical looking goggles on and he's switching them around and he's like Pendolin, I don't I don't see anything weird going on here. It just seems like a bunch of kids and uh hold on and he kind of flips him around and he's like a soul inside of a puppet? No, I point out the gem. And he's oh, interesting and he comes walking up and Penny's standing there with her arms crossed and she looks just kind of exacerbated and she's like, "Well, I guess if Tomash says it's you. I have to believe it. Penny, we thought you... Or, pff, Chirp, we thought you were dead. And... I think I we was buried you. dead for a minute or a while or for some amount of time. It's been almost five months since you died. Yeah, that's what the kids were telling me. You've been dead all this time? 
Whoa. And just now came back? I Yeah, I think so. I'm sorry. The, the church has tried to infiltrate us quite a few times and just a very large group of children and a weird puppet who claims to be our dead comrade seems pretty suspicious to me. Well, why if why do you think that they would okay <laughs> I've and... been gone for a while and all I remember are some flashes of things and I really just don't know what to do. I thought that all I had to do was find you and everything would be okay. And now and, you don't uh, trust me and you don't even believe I am who I say I am. Tomash puts his arm around you and says, don't don't listen to Penny. She's, she's Penny, not quite herself you? anymore. You'll you'll probably understand more when we go see Aldalar. Oh, Aldalar! Come on, let's Aldalar. go find Al. Yeah, Did Al's here. Before? Nope. Oh, he Aldalar. Show, well, he shows up in where did he come from? Oh, he, um, well, you'll see. He'll, he'll tell you himself. But I yeah, let's go find him. him. He'll and know what to do. Let's see if we can do something about that leg. Hmm. I hold up the part of my leg that fell off with the foot still attached. And I say, all I need is a bolt. <laughs> says, well, yeah, but... You're going to eventually need a new body. That thing's well, not going to last forever. Obviously, I can't be a little wooden boy forever. Well, he and he walks over to Penny and he says, Look, I'll vouch for okay? I'll tell you what. If this really is Chirp, we can get her a new body. See if you can find Damaros. And Penny looks at him and she says, well, That could work. He says, I know it'll work. Go find Damaros. That's a wrap, people.